Dustin. Hey, Hubert. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Uh, I, I can't complain. I got I got back into reading this weekend. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I wasn't into it anymore. What are you reading? No, just kidding. Um, it's actually a really cool for the book club this week. It's a book called Sea of Rust. Um, okay. It's by that writer I follow, C. Robert Cargill, the one who wrote Doctor Strange and Sinister mm-hmm. with Scott mm-hmm. Derrickson. And uh, yeah. I read his first two novels that were like urban, modern urban fantasy. Okay. He's an Austin native. Um, sure. Which plays into tonight's film a little bit somehow. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Um, and, uh, but uh, I, 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 you know, I, after when the pandemic, I was on a good roll with, uh, with reading before the pandemic and then it, the pandemic. And then I wasn't reading any books because they want to go to the library. And yeah. long and short of it is like this, my library has a system. I asked them like, how do you make sure the books are like, okay. And she was like, we quarantined the books for 72 hours. <laughs> so I pictured, oh, wow. I pictured people in hazmat suits, putting the books in like a pad. Like in cell. tongs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Um, and putting them under like UV light or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. So, uh, I'm halfway through the book. I read in, in, on father's day. I read Sweet. half the damn book. That's awesome. It's crazy. So I'm enjoying it a nice. lot. Um, and, I, and nowadays I look at when I'm reading books, I'm thinking, would this make a good movie? Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe, I don't know. All, yeah. all the characters in this film are, are in this in this book are robots. Ah. So I don't know how much you could, you know, it's really interesting though. So yeah, yeah. people like science fiction novels, Sea of Rust is awesome so far. So unless it totally shits awesome. the bed at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Um, Sweet. Yeah, man. How was your weekend? It was good. Uh, a lot better than last weekend where I ended up in the hospital. So that's good. Yeah. Did you, did you spend the night in the hospital this weekend? I did not. That's good. Didn't, didn't even, didn't even go to one. That's, so that's, that's an improvement. That's ideal. That's what that's you want. That's ideal. That is. Uh, I've got some delicious pork loin here too from uh, this part of my father's day presents. My wife bought like a ton of really good meat and Ooh. I gotta be honest, I'm going to be eating it during the show. So, <laughs> that's fine. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about before we got started tonight, a couple of things I found interesting, um, not film news wise. Well, not that I found interesting. All right. I said all that backwards. We'll save the interesting stuff for later. I'm, I want to hit on some stuff that's neither interesting nor not interesting. Just kind of just is over the weekend. Just, we, we lost uh, Ian Holm. Yeah. Um, he was 86, I think. Yeah. 86, 88, something like that. Was it the virus or is it, no, no, he had Parkinson's. He had Parkinson's that's right. uh, and that, that's all they had said. Yeah. Uh, and did you, you sent me the link for the, um, the Josh Gad show with all the Lord yes, of the Rings people. I did. And Ian Holm was mysteriously absent from that. And yeah. he had sent a message though to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I can't remember what the message had said, but it was, you know, it was humor. It was, to, I think it was to Peter Jackson. Yeah, it was to all of them. It was basically just, sorry, I couldn't make it. Um, You know, I'm quarantined in my hobbit hole and, you know, it was cutesy and, you know, cool. And I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if anyone knew at the time, I wonder if he was facing uh, complications from his disease at that point. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. But it was one of the first things I thought of when I heard it, when I heard of his death, I was, I just, I was thinking like, oh, he wasn't a part of that thing. And I, I, my yeah. mind jumped straight to the virus and I didn't even know he had right. Parkinson's until I read Peter Jackson's Facebook post. Yeah. I was going to recommend that to anybody who wants yeah. a taste of, of what it was like to work with the guy. Um, Peter Jackson put out a post, I believe originally on Facebook and, um, 
and it's just a, a lengthy, uh, you know, love letter to the guy and, and to having worked with him. And, yep. um, it speaks to the testament of his character and his, uh, his work ethic and, um, and his love for the character of Bilbo and, you know, what Peter Jackson had done in bringing all of that to life. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great read. And, uh, if you don't mind, you know, tearing up a little bit, uh, it's a great read. Yeah. <clears throat> Over the weekend, we also, I say we, I'm just going to say we, because I'm going to, since we are a film podcast, we are part of the film community. So, sure. you know, however connected we feel these people are not, we also lost Joel Schumacher. Yes. Um, and, uh, which today I think actually yeah, um, today. He died and, uh, it's Monday and, um, he was 80, uh, but he had, mm-hmm. he was, he had cancer. Yeah. It was um, a, a year long fight with cancer. So I didn't know that Joel Schumacher had a had a fashion background. Did you know that? Yes. I didn't, yeah, that's I didn't where he started. That, but that was part of why, like his films, the, the Batman films in particular, are so stylistically '90s, mm-hmm. is because that was literally like his yeah his job, his sensibility yeah. was to to capture the essence of of what's trendy and what's what's yeah. what designs are, you know, relevant to the time they're in. So you go back, yeah, and you're absolutely. Like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And I, I sort of don't hold it against him now, you know? Yeah, no, no, it makes complete sense when you look at the costuming of those films yeah. and, um, and, and really those films in particular, just because the film was so stylized. Yeah. You know, if you look at his other films, they, they're not that way. Right. Um, but, but Batman's so large, yeah. um, you know, Batman and Robin, you know, it was fashionable and stylistic, uh, depictions of those costumes. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you look specifically like Uma Thurman's poison Ivy, um, you start to see that fashion influence creep in, um, to the point where you can almost just imagine what those original sketches looked like, like, um, you know, the, the sleek lines and, um, you know, bright colors. It's very, very, very fashion forward. Very, very indeed. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So Joel Schumacher and Ian Holm over the weekend, and I'm sure others less prominent, not getting any headlines, but um, but uh, those those were the big ones for sure. Um, uh, I want to draw some people's attention to this um, this screenwriter contest thing, um, just because it's still the window's still open on. If you heard about this Netflix thing with Ron Howard and Brian Grazer. Did no, you, I didn't hear about it. What this is, is uh, so the article's on IndieWire, but it was I saw it a bunch of places like Variety and stuff. Okay. So, um, um, screenwriters, a chance to get your script made into a Netflix film. And what it basically is, is that imagine impact, which is a part of Ron Howard and Brian Grazer's production company. So they're calling for submissions, um, for screen screenplay submissions as part of a deal with Netflix that will see impact identify, sorry, impact, sorry, the company identify and help develop future film ideas in four specific genres over the next year. The first of four genre specific application windows. Op- this says opens Wednesday. This article was written on June 17th. So um, that was last Wednesday, but the window mm-hmm. goes, the applications are accepted through July 6th. So there's time. If you're listening to the show, you've got another two weeks, uh, mm-hmm. with, uh two, uh, about 10 days, maybe. Um, it's, it's calendars are so weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, the first round of projects being considered are large-scale action-adventure movies for all audiences, um, and uh, so what it pretty much is is just it's a it's a you know it's it's good and bad because what they want to do is um, 
uh, so they can do this all electronically, all, all, all remotely, obviously, which it should be for screenplays. I don't know why they would yep. previously yeah. want you to fly out there and actually come right. on now. Um, right. Let me see. The one of the big things I wanted to point out was it was it was what they would give. Damn it. Um, sorry, I had a, the paragraph that I wanted to read. Okay, a group of finalists selected by Impact will be presented directly to Netflix. If the streamer chooses to develop one or more of those projects, the writer will sign an agreement with Netflix and be paid a WGA set fee and then be paired with an Impact mentor who will help the writer de- deliver a first draft to Netflix. Um, okay. So this is good, and it's also like be on your guard because yeah. it's a first draft. And yep. they'll pay you, but they yep. can also fire you. Yep. Uh, so, you know, do a good job, do your best. It's great. Yep. If, if this, if this works out for you, take the opportunity, but sure. you know, don't have any expectations beyond the first draft to take that as literally as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all sorts of tips and tricks to ingratiate yourself with a studio that you can learn from actual screenwriting podcasts. Yep. Um, but the only advice that, you know, Dustin and I can give you is essentially just write a good story and be really easy to work with and yeah. take criticism well. And you know, they might, they might just go, you know what? We like the first draft. Yeah. We like you. Yeah. Um, we'll keep you around. Yeah. We'll keep you around and you never know where it could lead. So this yeah. is really, really good. And we knew that this would be a good, th- we knew that streaming would be a good thing for aspiring screenwriters. Um, yeah. the more that that was, uh, you know, because it just opens doors for people who don't live in Los Angeles, like me and Dustin. Mm-hmm. Um, and to people who, you know, it's just opens more doors in more places, uh, for people to put their foot in. Um, so it's, it's cool. And it's also good that Netflix and streaming services are, are looking, are doing what they should, their, their role in the film ecosystem, the streaming Mm -hmm. services to combat the studio theater system is their job is original content. That is their big strength. And that's the purpose that they ought to be serving. And so it's good that they recognize that. And I don't even know if we were saying this at the time, but I feel like we were out there saying they need to be, there's, there's plenty of screenwriters who want, who want a place to tell their stories and Netflix and all these streaming services are, if nothing else, they are desperate for original content. And so mm-hmm. it seems like a perfect match and someone yeah. else agrees. So Ron yeah. Howard agrees. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. I think it's cool. Yeah. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Um, I, I was actually just talking to Kellen last night about how much content there is these days, Yeah, like between all the streaming platforms, you know, there's still, you know, normal television and, you know, yeah. even though the theatrical system's a little shut down right now, yeah. um, it's coming back and, um, and things are going to be, you know, crazy in that, like everybody's going to want to get back in the game with a lot of things very quickly. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think there's going to be a huge amount of content coming out soon. And there's already a huge amount of content out there. So, you know, it, it, it's all good news for those who want to be involved in the industry. Um, it can be overwhelming as a consumer to have that many options. But, um, you know, as far as economics and job, uh, you know, uh, availability goes, um, yeah, that's a good thing. There's a related story on IndieWire also, just speaking of streaming services, there's a there's a company, I guess, called Grasshopper Film. They are starting their own streaming service um, ah. for independent projects, like for, okay. for like specifically for those those types of things, um, for, for auteur independent filmmakers. Mm. Uh, and it is called Projector, without the, okay. the end, just project 
projector projector yep uh with projector we are seeking to remedy sorry so quote so many of the acclaimed international and american independent films that cinephiles hunger to see have fallen through the cracks of the current tvod providers says the founder um with projector we are seeking to remedy that oversight and create an accessible treasure trove for movie lovers we've long mm-hmm. contemplated a curated streaming platform where viewers could immerse themselves in some of the most adventurous exciting and important independent cinema during these past months, we realized this is more urgent than ever. Again, good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's good that that exists. And I mean, God forbid I spend any more money on streaming services, but that's good because right. there's a market for that. And even those films on, on, on the other platforms like Amazon and Netflix, they may not get the, they may not be, they, they can get the movies seen, but they're just the UI for so many of the, uh, of, of those uh, streaming services can be spotty when it comes to independent film and you're still yeah. going to put those marquee big recognizable crowd pleasers on the on the homepage so that people yeah. know that they're getting their money's worth they're seeing big movies mm-hmm. so totally yeah I'm going to have to yeah. change him he is slobbery as hell <laughs> he may as well have just jumped in a pool um, alright well let's Speaking of Austin and speaking of, um, well, it's not an independent movie, but, you know, lesser known titles. Uh, let's talk about Train to Busan. Yeah, let's do it. So I don't have the information in front of me because my hands are super wet. But um, I will say this about Train to Busan. So we watched this with the Google Chrome plugin Netflix party, mm-hmm. which you know essentially allows you to be in a chat room and then one person controls play and pause so that you are watching yeah. the movie in sync. And we yep. took it a step further and we had a video chat on so we could talk to each other uh, during mm-hmm. the movie. And yep. that was really, really fun and yep. uh, worked really, really well, much better than in with Amazon Prime uh, yeah. because the, you know, the pause button is synced. Um, yep. and, uh, and we chose to watch Train to Busan. And yeah. I think, uh, and, and the person who, Kellen was the one who told us about this and Kellen yep. lives in Austin. And, um, that's why I mentioned it earlier. doesn't really matter mm-hmm. now. And Kellen wanted sure. to be here tonight. I asked him if he would come on and talk about the movie cause we'd all watched it together. Uh, yeah. but Kellen's computer is, is, is in the, in the pooper. So he, ah. um, he said he didn't have anything decent to record on. And I, I, you know, I, I wanted to press him and be like, it's not a big deal, but I sort of figured like, that's a polite way of saying no. Right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure he, you know, he meant it too, uh, with the microphones, sure. not with our show, but anyway, um, uh, who cares? Um, but so for train to Busan, I still don't have the information. Dustin, do you have the director and screenwriter? Uh, yes, I can. Uh, uh so but Train yeah, of Busan, it was released in 2016, so it's a pretty recent film. And just the long and short of it is, it's a zombie film, and it takes place largely on a train, on a moving train. Uh, yep. It's a Korean film, and mm-hmm. uh, so the film is completely in subtitles. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a really well done. Uh, I don't even want to call it a zombie movie. It's just it. It, it is. It is. It I mean, is sure. But it's not like just the stigma of saying it's a zombie movie people just go oh cool it features zombies therefore i have a a, a, a preconceived notion of what that is right 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 it's like when people it, say i like the, the walking dead it's a zombie show okay but after a while it's not a good zombie show so so a couple things like the, the, a zombie movie a zombie show it, it 
honestly means so many things because zombie can be horror. It can yeah. also be sci-fi. It can also be, you know, uh, really fantastic and it can be very grounded. Um, it can be slow moving, you know, night of the living dead, George Romero zombies, and it can be fast moving 28 days later zombies. Um, it, it runs a wide gamut of, of things. Um, and like even, even I am legend, they're like vampire zombies or whatever. Yeah. And like, like it, it, the term zombie movie is pretty broad. Correct. Um, but uh, but th- this is a zombie movie, but it certainly is more than just a zombie movie. Correct. So it was written by, written and directed by Sang Ho Yeon. I'm probably saying the name wrong. Uh, forgive me. And uh, and also co-written by uh, Ju Suk Park. Um, and and so um, interestingly enough, this director is this is his first live action film. He actually comes from animation. Wow. Um, so his first film, The King of Pigs, um, was well received, and then he had a second called The Fake. Um, and then Train to Busan came out and like like a month after Train to Busan came out, a animated prequel came out called Soul Station, which he also directed. Isn't there a um, sequel to this movie? There too? is a, a sequel coming out uh, allegedly this year um, called tra- Peninsula. Didn't the trailer drop like a few days ago? I was I was grabbing yeah, the trailer for this and I was like, oh, that's, yeah. a, that's, that's coincidence. <laughs> yep, right. So, we watched it at the right time. Yeah, no um, but yeah, this is his first live action film. And, and you know, I, I think it's very obvious that he comes from animation because things are are very clear. Yep. Um, the action is very well told on screen. And, and, and as an animator, you you work that muscle to like, how can I tell this as efficiently as possible, right. as clearly as possible? How can I how can I make this look good? And like all of these things, you use color differently, you use uh, like motion Shot differently. Shot composition. Yeah, exactly. Dustin, explain to the audience why animators are so economical with their action storytelling. Uh, well, so Kellen would be a great person for this question, but, right. but, but animation, you know, has to be economical. Um, you know, when you're talking about animating, you know, presumably 24 frames per second, um, you know, you have to do that as economically as possible. Um, and I'm not just talking financially, but also, you know, artistically, um, to be able to, to be able to tell each frame, um, as, as quickly as possible to create each frame from scratch as quickly as possible is hugely important. And, um, and so, so I think for this director here, um, you know, like you said, composing those shots well and, and managing color on screen and, and all of that, it works to make a very tight, well-told story. Like I was never, I, I never wondered 
where where are my people in relation to the zombies or to the train or I, I never had a question of where they were geographically. I never had a question of who was doing what and where they were and what that was important for. Um, it was all uh, very clear and very purposeful. And and I think you really only get that from animation. Um, another another director. There's a number of directors who have come from animation and then made that switch into live action um, in in the West. So if you look at something like Brad Bird, um, Brad Bird's storytelling is is largely influenced by his animation background as well. It's how can I tell this economically, um, and and it's the same way with you know Andrew Stanton, um, you know these Pixar guys. Uh, Coincidentally, they're both Pixar guys that 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 started there and then and then go into live action. Um, you know, if you want to talk stylistically, then talk about um, uh, Tim Burton, right? I'm not a huge Tim Burton fan, but very clearly he has this animation background that influences his live action sensibilities um, in a way that in a way that you just don't have when you come only from live action. Um, so, so I really, really loved the visual aspect of this film and the way that it looked. And, you know, I don't normally notice like color, but in this film, I, I, I specifically noticed how the color palette was influencing the film and the way that I was feeling about it. Um, and, and it's just a very, you know, beside, you know, artistically, it's just a sleek looking movie. Um, it, it's, it, it looks fantastic. And, um, like I, I'm interested to know, and I can pull it up really quickly, like what it shot on. Um, but, but it, it's, it's, it really is great. Um, it's shot on the Ari Alexa, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's, um, it, it's just a really well told visually story. Yeah. The, 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 the screenplay is pretty, I mean, it's, it's pretty uh, like a lot of these movies tend to be, it's structurally pretty simple. Um, yeah. you know, but it, it's, it's kind of stock in either horror or a thriller for the protagonist to be. To, to, to be in need of some sort of character transformation. And in this case, yeah. you have the main character is, a you know, a, a workaholic father. Um, yeah. And uh, he's taking his daughter or he's picking up his daughter. And I believe he's taking him to say, taking his daughter to, to his ex-wife. Correct. Yeah. She, she and he don't get along very well. I had to like, they just in the movie at some point to put my children to bed. So I, I think I missed some story chunks. Yeah, yeah, they um, it, it's it's her birthday, his daughter's birthday, yep. and she wants to see her mother for her birthday, and so you know, much to his chagrin, he decides <laughs> to take her because Lots you know, of brutally honest comments about how he, she'd rather be with her mom, right? Exactly, <laughs> because he's, and, he's, you know, I won't say he's an absentee father, but like especially from like a however old she is, eleven year old's eyes, like yeah, you know, he's he's not present, and his his her parents are separated, oh. and her mom clearly is one of those parents who likes to take a shot at her dad whenever yeah. it seems, uh, you know, uh, necessary. And, uh, right. And he's, uh, he's appropriately like, you know, annoyed by that, but also kind of checked out at the same time. Like yeah. he seems, he seems despondent to it. Like, Oh, I guess that's just the way it's going to be, you know? Yeah. It, it's interesting. He, he's very checked out about it. Like he hates it, but it doesn't really phase him too much. Right. Like it's just kind of like, ah, he's it's, an, he's it's an annoyance. It. Yeah. yeah. 
And and that's the thing. Like he's not a bad, uncaring dad, no. but he certainly trades um you know, financial provision for emotional, uh, you know, emotional, uh, relationship with his daughter. Yeah. And, and, and he, he thinks, Oh, I'm working hard and I'm doing that for you. Um, so be grateful. And when she's not, he doesn't quite grasp the fact that it's because she needs, she has emotional needs that he's not meeting. And, um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, he's just a guy that's kind of in over his head. Maybe it's a gut check. If you're a dad watching the movie, cause you're like, Oh <laughs> man, am I doing that? <laughs> right, right, right. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very quickly the, the, they, they board a train, they, they, you know, and then at a certain point, um, just very quickly, a, a zombie threat, uh, is introduced and, yeah. um, you meet and, you know, an ensemble cast of other characters an expectant father and his wife, um, you know, the, the, some of the train employees, like, uh, you know, the, the, um, I guess I'll call them the porters. I don't know, but it's just sure. train yeah. stuff, uh, you know, a few other passengers and, uh, and the, including some fun ones like the token asshole, rich guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the red herring, the druggy person, Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so they decide that if they can, the, the, if they can make it to Busan, which they have not heard, they have not heard of it being overrun yet, um, yep. that they might get to safety. Um, yep. but at some point they get separated from another train platform and then they're all these people end up on different parts of the train. And so they have to get to the one compartment of the train and the train is still full of the undead. Um, yep. and, and we, we, there's no, there's, there's, there's emotional meadows in the movie, but we very, we very quickly realized that the incubation of the zombie virus in this film is about two minutes or less. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. So quick in any other like movie or television show where they try to sell you on the real realism of how the zombie virus could work. Or if you read, if you read the zombie survival handbook by Max Brooks or world war Z, they, there was an attempt for a while to, to really make the zombie virus seem like a, like a realistic virus Mm -hmm. in that it would take about two weeks or at least 24 hours to, to turn someone, a a dead person into an undead warrior, uh, in a realistic time span. Sure. And in this movie, they're like, nah, ain't nobody got time for that shit. Right. <laughs> like, right. They just, someone they're on a train and then they, 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 they're suffering for like a few seconds and then very quickly they're like, <laughs> and they're, yeah. and that's it. Their eyes are that's gray it. and they're a zombie yep. now. And it's yep. like, woo. Yeah, that exactly. Well, and, and, and that serves the story. Like I said, they're on a train, right? So, yeah. so if it took 24 hours, it's like, all right, I'm off the train before off. you yeah, turn. Like, right. So thank it, God you just have to make it a long it time. We can, we can <laughs> easily escape this train and very calmly yep. drive away from town. And everybody who's been bit, come over here. You got 24 right. hours. Well, I hopefully a vaccine. Ticket. Up. I can go to right. another country. I'm all good. Right. You exactly. Know? You're right. It's, right. It serves the story for sure. Yeah, um, and the move zombies are fast moving, and uh, and they give them some strengths and weaknesses. But uh, but they, here's they what I like: threat is the point. They are. Here's yeah. what I like about the zombie threat: like The Walking Dead. At a point, it it it, 
it just became laughable that the zombies are just kind of like shuffling towards you. The zombies become a metaphor. And, and, and you go one of two ways in these things sometimes. It's like the zombies either a fast moving, you know, very, very real threat. It's almost like a wild animal. Yeah. Um, or it's a slow moving thing because people like to pay tribute to George Romero, even though there's, it's not required. But the, yeah. the excuse yeah. slash valid reason, depending on who yeah. it is, is always, well, the zombies are a metaphor for the the, the inevitability of death. Sure. It depends what kind of story you're telling. If it's a melancholy yeah. take on life and death, fine, slow moving zombie. But in, a, in this case, where it's like a you know like a, a time based kind of thriller type of thing, sure. you do need fast moving zombies. It's true, and 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 I get I get so tired of the slow ones, and 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 honestly, I'm even tired of like the super powered ones. So what I enjoyed about this is like the zombies weren't like like they were as fast and as strong as, as the people. person was living right right so it didn't feel like you were going to have like an old lady zombie who's like nah like <laughs> just like taking off down yeah. the street like she's still going to be an old lady right. maybe she's marginally quicker but, but because you know pain doesn't exist in Register, a zombie's brain yeah, yeah right but but like it's not it, they're not faster than a human no they are human um, they're just undead. And so, you know, I, I enjoyed the fact that it's not like, ah, we can lift a bus. We're yeah. zombies. We're and like zombie power. Right. We, we can break through this window and keep going. It's like it, they're just like, you know, they can break through the window and keep going, but it's going to take them a while. Right. right. You know what I mean? Just like it would me. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but that's where, what I enjoy. Whereas you would go, oh, ow. Oh, that hurt. Oh, no. Oh, this hurts me. Oh, right. See, if you were a zombie, you would, you know, you cleaned that knife last weekend. Yeah, wouldn't have been a thing. No, you just keep, you just keep cleaning it. And just all keep the going. Like, oh, my hand is gone. <laughs> I'm hungry. I want some people, people heads. I was eat my own finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I already, already cut it. Right. You, you cut your finger open and you go, oh, that smells good. Ooh. You're like Bruce the shark. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, man, like this film, not only is it a good like action story because it is a good action movie, yeah, it is. Um, but it's also it's also got an emotional, you know, heart to it. Yeah. There there's so many times that these films become so paint by numbers that they like they think they're emotional and they are only in the sense that like, oh, I see I'm supposed to be emotional now. But it's not like a true like oh snap like this is emotion right and and th this certainly was um and and i'm interested to know what the difference is like were the characters in this so much more fleshed out or was it that they were uh more relatable or was it that they you know were um i i, I don't know like their their plight just seemed higher stakes or, or what it was. I don't, I don't know exactly, but it, it definitely felt more emotional than most any zombie movie I've seen. I think anytime you have a movie that where the cast of people are just in a place by happenstance. Yeah. Like the, there's a, there's plenty of science fiction thrillers like alien, for example, where you can argue like, yeah, well you, you were in a risky position. So you, you sure. accepted some level of risk when you took this mission or sure. you know, anything like the planet of the apes were just like, even that's, even that's kind of a bad example, but it's like, Hey, you were experimenting on these apes. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, somewhere down the line, someone wasn't careful. It's going to be a I, thing. It's, yeah. it's James Franco's fault for sure. It is um, for but sure. Like, you, <laughs> 
<laughs> everything is. I'm not talking about Every, the film at all. It's yeah, correct. Yeah, everything um, you can think of. So much suffering is due to the hands of. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I think anytime something happens and it's just like, hey, there's no rhyme or reason why we're the people who are in this situation, but we just are. That's always going to be more emotional because there's no, there's no flicker of you deserve to have this happen to you. It's just, Oh man, everyone sympathizes with someone who is in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, that's part of why God, I I say this in the, in the, the first thought I had, and this is, I was thinking of it like a movie. I was about to say like in United 93, except those people were real and they really died, you know? Right. Right. But like, it's the same, but it's the same thing. It's like, that's what, that's part of why nine 11, God, Again, I'm not trying to talk about 9-11, but like just the first sure. film I thought of was a film based on a real tragedy. And the, one of the reasons that, that that day was so horrific was because everyone who died that day was just doing a regular thing. And half of the, and I, well, not half of them, a lot of them, the people in the planes, they were just on the wrong flight. They were mm-hmm. just, they just, sorry, you're on the wrong flight and it's horrible. Yeah. And it's a lot, you feel for those innocent people a lot more than if it were like, a military plane full of like war criminals or something. You know what I mean? Like right, or a right. prison plane. It's like, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, you did something bad, I guess, you know, you feel for people who are, we're just on the train and, you know, and one of us is kind of like a jerk dad who's, you know, doesn't really understand the emotional needs of his child. Um, so, but there's still innocent people who are just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And sure. um, which is no, why I think that makes sense. as the story progresses and you see these characters grow, you start to feel even more for them. Like before you're just on board with them because, Oh, that sucks. I would hate if that were me. And yeah. there's another layer that's, Hey, they're innocent. That's even worse. And then when you care about them more, you're like, Oh, I like that person. I wish yeah. they weren't dying. Right. You know? Sure. And and there's probably a, a sense in which zombie movies are way easier for us or, or maybe way more fun for us to imagine ourselves in. Yeah. Right. Like how many conversations have you had? Like, yo, what would you do in the zombie apocalypse? Right. right. It's like, what what would you do if 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 like you were told, hey, they're out there, they're coming for you. Right. Like, oh, I don't know. I destroy the steps in front of my house, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like like there's things you, you go through in your mind. Like I've, I've got to have a supply of creamed corn, you know, or whatever, but like, gotta have you, my cream corn, gotta have the cream corn every night. Um, but like you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's fun to sort of imagine yourself in that scenario. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe there's a part of it that's like, Oh, a zombie movie is just very easy to be like, Oh man, what would I do there? Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I would have thought of that or I don't know if, you know, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so then that kind of makes you relate for the relate with the characters a little better. It, the movie also doesn't retread any, like any, uh, philosophical ground. It doesn't try to say, Hey, let's now have our profound statement about humanity in here somewhere. Like characters yeah. make choices. They're, they're sort of meant to represent like, Hey, like, like at some point, one of the characters will be okay with sacrificing another character's life early on yep. to show what a jerk yep. they are. Yeah. But like in every movie does that, but they don't spend a whole lot of time on it because they know that you're used to that. They know that you've right. seen that in other plenty of other either apocalypse movies, definitely mm-hmm. disaster movies. There's always some jerk who's willing to let someone die just so that the group can survive. I say some jerk, some logical person. Sure. <laughs> Sometimes. Right, right, right. Some logical person. Um, anyway. Uh I guess that person's me. That's why I'm so sympathetic. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. But yeah, the, the film does, does get emotional. It has one of the more emotional, um, uh, things happening at the, uh, you know, towards the end than I was prepared for in a movie like this. And, uh, yeah. so, uh, it, 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 it delivers emotionally by the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I can't remember. I don't know what I wrote down on a letterbox. I guess I could find out what my star rating was, but what did you give this for a star rating? Uh, I'd say four stars. I thought it was good. Yeah. Uh, I gave it four stars. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Lean, suspenseful, and surprisingly emotional. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where sometimes when I watch like a suspense film, I'm thinking like, how does this relate to Hitchcock? Yeah. Which which is a weird thing to do, but I, I do it. And and I'm like, all right, so here's the deal. Like obviously Hitchcock wasn't gonna make a zombie movie. But like th- the use of uh his tools and his techniques is even apparent here. Um, even in a zombie movie and even in a Korean zombie movie. Um, you know, the the way that they that they cut, the way that they you know, show and don't show is, is very reminiscent of, of everything that Hitchcock stood for. And so it's effective. Um, Hitchcock was effective and, uh, and, and that's why horror and thriller, uh, films have been kind of copycatting him for so long. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it totally delivers on the thrills and it totally delivers on the action and it totally delivers on the emotion. So it really has everything you want. I guess what, I guess why it's not a five star is uh, I don't know. I, 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 I can't really think of anything wrong with it, but I can't really, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. It's, it's just one of those where I don't know. It's, it's that gap. It's just that, that, that X factor that you can't, I mean, you, yeah, you know yeah. it when it's there, but when it's yeah. not there, it's not like I can tell you what's missing in this movie. It's just, I don't know. I know what you yeah. mean though. I had the same feeling. Like I can't, I can't, I can't defend against its lack of five starredness. Right. I also don't want to give it five stars because I don't feel the same way about it that I do about like, you know, Avengers infinity war or anything like that. Like, or, 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 you know, whatever that Spider-Man into the spider verse, you know, I don't feel the same sure. way, but it doesn't hit those same marks that I want out of a, a film experience, you know? Right. Like, um, like you're not going to buy an action figure of these characters, but, but, it's, <laughs> but it's, but it's not the same, but it's also not the same, framing criteria as into the spider verse, which has action and emotion just like this, but to a, but to a more stylized and, um, you know, Mm -hmm. broad extent, I don't expect train to Busan to be super fantastical in in its action. You know, I, I, I I expect it to have the scale that it has. It's just, I, I like movies that go bigger than that. And that's not this film's fault. So, right. Yeah, um, sure. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. I I, I, now I'm wondering, like second guessing myself. No, no, no. I, I, I just bring it up to say like, it's, it's a great film yeah. and obviously we didn't nitpick it to death. Right. Um, so you might be like, why did, why just five, but, yeah. or, or why just four? It just is four. Lack um, of issues doesn't mean perfection, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's effective at everything that it does. Yeah. It just, for whatever reason, didn't yeah. fully land it's with like me. It's, it's not a film full of highs and lows emotionally. Like if you really want me yeah, to like, yeah. nitpick something like, okay, sure. Only the end is emotional. Sure. I mean, that's where it counts. So yeah, it's sure that it was there, but yeah, yeah. for the rest of the film, I'm just watching plot in action and which were done yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. I like emotional highs and lows throughout. Yeah. I like, yeah. Going th- I like feeling wrecked after a movie. Like the Stanford yeah, yeah, prison yeah. experiment did that. I, after yeah. I was like, Oof, you're ooh, right. Right. I felt worn yep. out. <laughs> yeah. So, right. 
but yeah, it, it's very good. And I, and it's on Netflix. So if you have yeah. an opportunity to see it, yeah. um, because you have Netflix, and I know watch you it do with people too. just watch it. Yeah. Watch yeah. it with somebody because it, it is worth with, it. Or you can, or you can use the plugin like we did. It was in yeah. the video chat. It, it's, I, it's fun. Yeah. You know, um, yep. transitioning to other film ish news, film topic stuff. Speaking of action stuff, uh, this are uh, this article, the, I don't even know the site. I don't care. Um, the uh, Charlie Theron, at least in this article, is being kind of like called out for calling Steven Seagal fat. <laughs> <laughs> so she was on Howard Stern, and she she was talking about how much she had to how much action filmmaking she's been doing lately, and uh, mm. and and to contrast that with Steven Seagal, she said. When I make a movie uh, at night, I'll go online and watch fighters or watch people fight. And you always come across that old Seagal video of him, quote unquote, fighting in Japan. But he really isn't. Uh, he's just incredibly overweight and pushing people. Mm. Um, and she so Howard Stern agreed. And she so she decided to go further. And she said, I have no problem talking shit about him because he's not very nice to women. So F you, she added, because a couple <laughs> of years ago, he was accused of sexually assaulting some some women and then some actors, Jenny McCarthy, Portia de Rossi, Juliana Margulies have all accused him of sexual, sexual misconduct mm. in the past. Um, and, uh, it's really, it's mostly the article is about how he's not that good at fighting, but it comes, mm-hmm. but it's more about like them calling him like a bloated f- fake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but she said, go over, you know, go online, look it up. It's ridiculous. He's shoving people by the face. It's a whole setup. And, uh, the last thing she said, actually, so for most of them, I'm like, all right, all right. Like maybe he's a phony, but you're going a little hard on him. But the last thing she said yeah. I liked because it didn't have anything to do with him. It was clearly like a reaction to the conversation around action and gender right now in movies. And she says, I don't want to fight like men. Or we don't want to fight like men. We want to fight like we would fight and figure out what this looks like. We want to fight smarter and we want to fight in a way that makes sense. And we want to do it in a way where we're still part of an emotional storytelling. That's refreshing to hear an actress say that because for so long, especially with like women, you know, in, in action in anything, it's been like, do everything a man can do. And we're, yeah. we're writing characters that are essentially men, but we're going to make, we're going to cast women as them, but they're going to fight like men. One of the mm. biggest gripes people can have about, about action filmmaking with, with, with female, um, characters is that someone like black widow, as much as I love her fight scenes in the Marvel movies, there are definitely scenes where she's fighting people way bigger and way stronger than her with way more upper body strength. And so mm-hmm. you accept it because it's cool looking and it's a comic book movie. And we accept that there's a Spider-Man and a Captain America and all those things. But sure. in real life, like, um, like, uh, oh, I say in real life, but like with real physics, a woman the size of Scarlett Johansson can learn all the martial arts and fighting she wants, but if her fighting style is going to be picking, grabbing dudes and throw them over her, you know, picking them up over her head and throwing them. That's not realistic. That's mm-hmm. hard to do. Even if you have a very developed upper body and spine and everything. Sure. So Charlize Theron is right to say that the way it's, it's both ways being a part of an emotional storytelling. Don't write a character that's essentially a man and then cast a woman as that character because you're doing the actress a disservice because women, men, and women are different. Male and female characters are different um, in many nuanced ways. And there's a whole lot of ways that, that those characters would approach a situation that, that, that are kind of dependent on that. And especially mm. in fighting because women are typically have less muscle mass and, mostly depending on the act, the actress, less height advantage in a fight. 
that's going to influence the choreography and you can't just have them throwing people on wires because it doesn't it looks cheap mm. and the best fighters who do have a muscular or height disadvantage or tech um uh you know yeah muscular or height disadvantage are trained in technique and pressure points and fighting yeah. smart you yeah. know if, if you have a room full of people even if you're a guy even if even if I'm Connor Dempsey and let's just pretend I'm a martial artist, if you clone me four times, so it's four, I'm evenly matched and I'm ganged mm-hmm. up on by myself, mm-hmm. I can't just go fight those people because I will tire out after fighting one of them. So what mm-hmm. do I do? Well, I have to blind one of them and then I have to punch the other one in his throat and then I have to somehow get the other two incapacitated enough to escape. But I can't mm-hmm. just fight them one by one with a bunch of muscular brawn that's unrealistic. And yeah. I just I read this article and I was just like I, I read it because it was just a, a takedown of Steven Seagal and I came out of it like, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, right, because because that's the conversation that should be had, and I'm surprised to hear it coming from Charlie Theron because honestly, she doesn't really fit the bill of someone I typically agree with in things. Sure, um, but that's that's the conversation that should be happening around action filmmaking and women in action. So mm. it's it's nice. I don't know. It's nice to see. I don't know. Do you, I've, I've been rambling on for three minutes, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I I I sort of saved that story. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have any more thoughts on it. I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's good. I'm glad that, uh, that there's a whole lot of things tonight with film news where I'm like, okay, cool. I'm glad that's happening. Screenwriter contest. Glad that's happening. Independent right, right. film streaming service. Glad that's happening. Yeah. The right conversation around action filmmaking with women. Right. Glad that's happening. Here's something I'm also glad is happening. And someone I wish hadn't, something I wish hadn't happened. Um, Rebel Wilson, um, was talking about, um, 2020 in health it was already mm-hmm. she said it was always going to be a year in health for her anyways but now of course it is because of uh the virus um i so i i didn't know this so, you know how old rebel rebel wilson is i do not i'm not gonna make you guess because that seems kind of in poor taste to do that She's sure 40 really i didn't know that she seems she looks way younger than 40 i thought she was younger than we are yeah, I was going to say, wasn't she, I mean, in Pitch Perfect, she's wasn't pitch she perfect. playing college age? Yeah, she's playing college age in Pitch Perfect. And um, even though I think the first one I saw her in was probably Get, Get Him to the Greek, I think was the mm. very first movie I saw Rebel Wilson, if that's even her. God, no, okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did not realize that she was 40 years old. She she looks very young um, yeah, yeah. comparatively. And so she was talking about health and all that stuff. So in this, she revealed that she was being, she has, it's weird because the, the broader context to this is Rebel Wilson has, has lost weight. Adele and mm. Rebel Wilson have both, both lost weight recently. And yeah. they used to be like held up on a pedestal for plus size women as role models because they're plus size, but they're successful in the entertainment and music industries. And yeah. then Adele lost a bunch of weight and everyone's freaking out because she's not like the, the, the benchmark for plus size people being successful. Yeah. And then, uh, that's a whole same sort of thing with rebel Wilson a little bit though, to a lesser extent, I think the heat was off of her and onto Adele for, for making healthy choices. Um, Mm -hmm. so she said, it's not just about losing weight. It's about, um, you know, trying to figure out why I was overeating and dealing with the mental aspect of it. And the whole reason I bring this up in case, you know, anyone's tuning out, she said, and I had a job where I was paid a lot of money to be bigger at times, which can kind of be a, a mess with your head a bit. I was like, 
What? Hmm. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. But you still kind of are shocked when you hear it. Yeah. And, she, you know, it could be, she could be talking about something that's implied or whatever else. But sure. I 100% believe that someone, her agent or someone told her, hey, listen, part of your appeal as a comedic actress is you're kind of, you're, you're overweight, you know, and yeah, yeah. it's funnier that way, I guess, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, it's the right. same with male comedians. Is Chris Farley as, as funny if he's plus that, you know? Right, right, right. So it's. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's interesting. And it's, it's um, alarming too. It's alarming that somebody can be typecast to a physical, yeah. uh, like, uh, specification, right. Yeah. And, and, and expected to keep that. And, and I know that people are, you know, expected to be healthy that are in, you know, big action movies or yeah. superhero movies or whatever, yeah. but it's weird that it works the other way. Like yeah. I never had thought about it, but, but yeah. it does. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I, I imagine if you're the, I mean, I don't want to think of this, but like, imagine if you are the agent of Rebel Wilson or Melissa McCarthy or Jack Black or, um, uh, uh, God, who else, who's the new Jack Black right now? Um, uh, I don't know. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, anyway, but like you're telling these, these people like, Hey, look, if you like lose a ton of weight and get like in shape, I'm not sure if we can get you the same amount of roles. Yeah, yeah. Because you no longer fit the character that you, that you no longer fit the character type that you're successful for now. So whether your manager explicitly or the studio is paying you to yeah. not lose weight, yeah, there's still, I definitely believe there's still an un, an unspoken expectation that hey, you need to kind of maintain this physique, and yeah. we don't care that you're 40 and you want to start taking care of your heart and get your cholesterol under control. Yeah, you know if you if you lose parts, you know we're not making as much money, and the studio's not making money, agency's not making money, and you're not making money. It's like, that makes sense because think about all the people that are sitting down at a typewriter, a typewriter, sitting down at their computer right now and, and writing a film. They're just um, shoving the ethernet cord into yeah. the back of the type. Like, Where does yeah. this go? I don't it's understand. Just, um, ah. and, uh, and Google. They just um, draw a Wi-Fi symbol with a Sharpie on the back. Of yeah, there you go. I'm on, I'm on the internet. <laughs> Um, but yeah, pe- people who are sitting down at their computer and writing a script right now and, and they're writing a role for a plus size woman, yeah. they're thinking like, Ooh, who would I cast in this? Yep. And, and then that, that offer goes out and then you're the agent who says, Oh, actually, uh, she's lost a lot of weight. Yeah. She then they say, right oh, okay, we'll move on to the next person. Especially right? if you start to, de- if you start to view that, that size as yeah. something that's like, that's a diversity thing. We need to make sure yeah. we get a plus size actress. We can't give it to Rebel Wilson because she's not she's not in that group anymore. Like that's right. disingenuous to give it to her. Yeah, yeah. And that's looking kind of down the road. But the point is, she claims that she was paid money to be bigger. Now again, yeah. she could just be saying, "I was paid a lot of money to be bigger because that's the character type I fit," or but, "I was paid a lot of money." Yeah. Because, because I was, I bigger. was bigger. Yeah, yeah. But what, what, but the way she worded it was, I was paid money to be bigger, and and in a way, and in a way, I'm sure she was right. And 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 yeah. even beyond Rebel Wilson, like these sort of things are are reinforced, and we know, especially now, that Hollywood has crossed some moral lines to oh, to 100%. keep people working or yeah. to 
get them to keep working. I mean, they, they'll, 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 they'll hide your dirty secrets just to keep you employed. They will excuse bad behavior because they need you to finish the movie. Um, yeah. you know, they are, there's a whole lot of looking the other way that Hollywood does. And I 100% believe that they would encourage or outright demand an unhealthy lifestyle from an actor. Yeah. And there was a time where maybe you, maybe you could think, or I would even think like, well, I mean, that's, that's the risk you take, you know, you're in the entertainment industry and you have to accept a certain amount of whatever, because the actor's life is rough and, and everyone's roughing it. But at the same time, it's like, but at what cost? Okay. But see, but see, here's the thing. When you have, when you have actors like male actors, like Chris Pratt, who can go from being overweight and funny to being incredibly fit fit and still funny. Um, it should prove down the road that you don't need a body type to be funny and you yeah. don't need any specific physical, you know, affectation to be Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds is like the hottest dude there is. And he's, he, he's constantly undermining his, his genetics by being funny. Right. Well, th- this is true. He's a but, walking but unicorn. They, <laughs> but they, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. they, they would allow a Chris Pratt to do that. Yeah. Right. So why not allow her exactly to, to get fit as yeah. fit as she wants and still have the pick of the roles because it was her talent that got her the jobs, not her body type without going too far down this road. But I'll just mm. give one example. Um, Eliza Schlesinger is a comedian. Mm. She's a very good looking woman. Mm. She is very funny. She's probably mm. my favorite female comedian. Okay. I think she's, I think she's, her stand up is great. Okay. She's easy on the eyes. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay. And just in case, in case anyone's out there thinking that you have to be of poor physical health to be funny or, or that being in good physical health invalidates your humor. Sure. It's, it's just like what you're saying. And I think yeah. that, I think the, the more time that goes on, the more we realize like, Oh, you know, comedic actors can actually be, you know, we already know this, but like comedic actors can take on dramatic roles and do really well in them. You know, dramatic actors can take on a surprising, um, comedic, uh, uh, side role like Tom Cruise and Tropic Thunder. I mean, those types of roles get us to look at actors a different way. Yeah. And the more that happens, the more it opens up doors for them. And the more we go, huh, I didn't think about that. And the more it kind of, it gets us, you know, being forward thinking a little bit. But, but because, because especially when it comes to comedy, it's a, it's a talent, it's a gift. It's something that, that you hone and that you, you perfect and that you work on all the time. Right. It's, you know, it would be, it would be ridiculous to ignore somebody's comedic abilities based on a physical, you know, how they look in silhouette. Yeah. Right. Like that, that's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, no, I, good for her. I'm glad she's, she's doing what's healthy for her. And, and I, I believe that the jobs will come. Um, it just will take some retraining. You know, it's the same way that, uh, when, when an actor, when any, when any actor or actress changes their appearance, it doesn't necessarily invalidate the offers for all time. It just takes time for Hollywood to be like, Oh, you know, they're still here. And this is what they look like now. Let's get them those kind of roles. And if her agent's unwilling to do that, then find another agent, because because somebody's bound to to un, to, to 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 see your talent and want to 
profit off of it. As weird as that sounds, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I also, I mean, I, I used to be annoyed uh, by Rebel Wilson. I mean, I'm still kind of am in certain roles, but I sure. have more sympathy for her now because, because now I'm sort of seeing like that brand she was putting out. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't fully her. Sure. And it yeah. sort of gets you to second guess. Like there's probably actors right now who annoy you, but you got to remember, like they're sort of under pressure to live up to an image yeah. and market themselves a certain way because that's what people expect. So yeah. as much as you know, it annoys me to watch her dance around in the trailer for cats. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what did I, ex- what did I expect? Like, what do I want from her? You know? What right. I, right. What, what do I want from rebel Wilson? Right. And the, the truth is like, I just, I want her to be happy because, so that she can put out her best work. That's what sure. I want. You know, yeah, yeah. that's all for all these artists. I don't want any more tortured artists. Right. Exactly. I don't. At least not by the industry. Fine. If sure. you're a tortured artist, you got a tortured past, you bring that into your art. I don't want people yeah, yeah. who are in the entertainment industry to be tortured by their own industry. That's yes. horrible. And that yes. is not worth whatever good art comes out of it. Cause it's not really no, no, no. good art. It's, it's, Oh wow. That's a, where'd you, where'd you, where'd you go to access all that anguish that's in your character? Oh yeah. Um, my manager says I can't lose weight. So, yeah. uh, and that was so like a week go. ago. That's it. So it's super right. fresh in my mind because I'm being abused constantly. It's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right how was it working with dwayne johnson like, what's your follow-up to that <laughs> he, he, oh, he's fine he's it's allowed like, to be fit <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah he's great yeah everyone likes right. him yep next question yeah interesting <laughs> um well well there's one more news story we need to chat about quickly okay oh is this michael so, keaton michael keaton i'm sorry i totally no, you're good <laughs> i bypassed my own agenda no you're good yeah. so michael keaton Yes. Um, announced today he's in talks to return as Batman um, for the upcoming Flash, Flash film, movie, which is still happening, question mark, question mark. How much do you, how many buckets of money do you think they're going to have to pay? It's so weird that he goes from Birdman where he's like shitting on superhero movies and then they manage to get him in Spider-Man Homecoming and you're thinking, yeah. oh, I mean, it's yeah. not like that whole thing was all BS, but you really seemed, I mean, in the press for Birdman, he talked about that a lot. Yeah, yeah, he, he did. did. He did. He seemed to buy um, into it. I, I'm going to say like someone's buying into him. Correct. No, look, dude, like I, I think I think um, I think he definitely has been talked into something. Sure. Um, I, I don't think there was a burning desire in him to play Batman again. No. Um, and and to be honest, like so I love Michael Keaton. I think he's great. Someone's got some um, naked pictures of him or something. <laughs> You're going to be Batman again. Right, right. All right, fine. Um, I I have never been a huge fan of his Batman, um, and I know that that people, people like will it. fight me on that. But but I've never been a big fan, and and maybe it's more that I don't care much for his Bruce Wayne. But I I, I don't I, that like that character. I just don't the most working class Bruce Wayne that's ever been put on screen. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, right, right. Seems like a hey, I'm a billionaire. Right, y- you are. And you have that haircut. Um, <laughs> um, but it, so look, um, two, two things. Well, m- maybe more than two things. Um, we'll just start. We'll just start. Some things. Um, 
so the flash, right? This, this film is still happening. Apparently, uh, <laughs> right now it's uh, Ezra Miller is still on board to play the flash and it'll be directed by Andy Muschietti. Is that how you say it? Who directed it? It. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, um, Muschietti, Muschietti, I don't know. Muschietti, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Uh, so he is directing, um, the flash. Yeah. So I, I, my, my whole thing was, I, I thought maybe Ezra Miller was in danger of not playing the flash again, because, you know, the DCEU hasn't gone very well, yeah. first of all. And secondly, there was that video that surfaced, uh, allegedly yeah. and, uh, that allegedly featured him, uh, hitting somebody. Yeah. Um, Hitting a woman, right? Hitting a woman, yeah. So, so who knows? You know, it, that I, I'm not going to say that that was him. That's why I say allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly, um, yeah, but you know, gone I, away. yeah. And and then and then add to the sort of poor reception of Fantastic Beasts. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of felt like maybe Warner Brothers might kind of get sour with him. Yeah. Um, but as far as we know, he's still on board to play the Flash. I mean, this article I'm looking at here on the Hollywood Reporter says it. Um, and so, um, you know, okay, fine. Um, but, but what, what interests me, I think most about this is, is not that he's playing the flash because honestly, I, I don't care for his flash. Um, but what interests me is that they might use this as sort of a jumping off point for like a multiverse or whatever, in which case they could, I don't know. DC has seemed uninterested in the Marvel, at least recently, in the Marvel interconnected universe. Um, it's like they tried it. It didn't work. So they just, all right, never mind. This gives them the opportunity to still interconnect everything that things that don't connect, right? Like Joker. Without having to, without having to commit to it long term. Exactly. They can yep. connect Joker and Birds of Prey to. and whatever else when they want to, as often as they want they to. They say, oh, the wormholes are closed. That's why no one's right, exactly. each other. And Those and so so bastards. I know. So it. what's interesting? What's interesting? Michael Keaton is in talks to return as Batman for the Flash movie, but also for future films. Um, so so what this means is that we could be seeing Michael Keaton in several films as Batman. And and the the scuttlebutt <laughs> is that they're going to be using him as sort of like a mentor role. So the only thing I could compare this to is like maybe a, a Tony Stark, yeah. right? Like like a, an anchor point for some DC something idea that they have and, and, uh, and that what they may be doing is, um, you know, tying in like a Batgirl film with his Batman somehow. Now, uh, obviously my mind starts going to Batman beyond and how cool that would be. Why don't they just make Batman beyond? That'd be great. But, but here's the thing, like if they, if they set it within the world of Tim Burton's Batman and like it's in that continuity, then you kind of have big question marks like, okay, so Batgirl, you make a Batgirl movie. Okay, great. So what about Alicia Silverstone, right? Does she count or does she not count? Because she did, except she was directed by Joel Schumacher, RIP, and was, you know, in a, in a film that Michael Keaton wasn't in, you know what I mean? But technically it's still in the lineage, but you know what I mean? Like, like how does this all connect? It's very uh, murky and muddy and gross and doesn't quite fit as neatly as I think they would hope it would. Very pick and choose. It is. And, and look at the end of the day, that's what the idea of the multiverse always is. And I know Dr. Strange is about to go into a multiverse, but the, the idea of a multiverse is that way. It's we can do anything now and we can say that anything is anything. It's a lot oh, easier on those I, contracts. Yeah. They can say Michael Keaton. Yeah. He, he plays Batman in uh, the Batman 89 
timeline, but also right. on Earth 107, right. he plays Batman, who is more closer tied to the comics, yeah. and you know, or whatever. He's and, not rich uh, Batman. Right, they can do anything. And and oh, and in Earth 372, he teams up with Robert Pattinson's Batman. And like, you know what I mean? Like they can do anything in the world and they can pick and choose. And and what that has resulted in in the comics anyway is like a a smorgasbord of like ideas where writers can come in and say, I like that Batgirl is paralyzed. So in my story, she's paralyzed. And then the next guy's like, I don't like that. <laughs> I like that she's paralyzed. I like that she's paralyzed. I will write it that if way. I and could, the next I writer's like, paralyzed her further. <laughs> the next writer goes, I don't like that at all. She's right. still Batgirl to right, me. Right. And, and like it results in like this weird disjointed thing. And then you have like new 52 Batgirl's back. And it's like, was she paralyzed? Yes, but no. And it doesn't <laughs> yeah. really make sense. Right. So they have to explain she was paralyzed and some of the stories that she was Oracle in that happened, but not all of them. And she took an antidote and now she's fixed. She's Batgirl again. She also, we've de-aged her by 10 years, you know, <laughs> and it's like, it's like, you can just do whatever. Uh. And so I feel like this is going to get really messy. And my mind always goes to like my grandfather, my, my grandfather <laughs> likes always, superhero movies, I'm starting you know, think of this now like I just, right oh doesn't grandfather think of I, I, i've said this on the podcast yeah and my mind my mind goes to him and and he's like like i can just see him coming up to me and saying hey dustin there's a new batman movie coming out and i'm gonna say yep there is and he's gonna say i'm gonna go see that and he'll go see it because he likes batman and then he sits there and he just goes what 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 is any of this in my mind's eye your grandfather is very italian which he is not uh but, <laughs> but he is but, not but when i think of your grandfather i think of him just going what what? What is this? Oh, what is this? Oh, what are they doing? There's Josh. What are they, what are they doing I, to my Batman? Yeah, it's, it's true. I went the wrong. I went the wrong ethnicity. <laughs> there. I just, just, just no, not, not, not even like a. Hey, what is this? Just a quiet, yeah. a quiet, like concerned hurt. Like, yeah. Oh, Dustin. Oh, Dustin. Oh. What are they doing? What are they doing? Why are oh. they doing this? Right. And, and, and like that's, sad, that's what I, I just imagine him going through. Cause like he never saw like Batman versus Superman or justice league or whatever. Cause he didn't care. He's oh. just like, I want, Oh, it's called Batman. He, yeah. He I'll see it. He doesn't right? have, he doesn't have FOMO for that. <laughs> he, he's like, whatever, but, he even but know like, FOMO is. right. He saw man of steel and, yeah, yeah. uh, but, but like he never saw Batman versus Superman sure. or whatever. Well, he saw man of steel and he was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm done with these modern okay. you know, superheroes. I tried it. I don't like it. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm done. What is um, this? He broke his I, neck and then he cries. What is this? <laughs> I don't understand He's this. He's a murderer. <laughs> he, he just killed that guy. What was that guy's name? What was his name? It's Saul? Zod? It was, it was Zod. Oh, oh Zod. I, that's not even a name. Yeah, right. He's from Krypton. From what where? Was, he destroyed Where's that his at? buildings. What would his parents think? <laughs> right. Well, what would Kevin Costner say? <laughs> Um, being awful careless with other people's property, I gotta say. <laughs> well, well, who? Where was his? What was his mom in? A lonesome <laughs> dove? Was that what it was? <laughs> oh, unfaithful. Uh, oh, unfaithful. Yeah. Um, and look, so so I just think it's like it's like so confusing to be like Ezra Miller goes into the multiverse, and then I guess it's a way for them to connect, like the Zack Snyder cut to whatever else they want to do, and. There's a there's a universe in which the Zack Snyder cut exists and a universe where this where the Whedon cut exists and they can do anything that they want. And and it, it's just kind of like frightening to think that they're going to just 
make it a mess because it's already a mess. This is only going to make it more messy because they're also saying like, oh, we might see uh, Thomas Wayne as Batman in this and it'll be played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan because he played Thomas Wayne in in Batman vs Superman, which ties in with Ezra Miller's Flash because he's a part of that whole thing. And and, you know, it's just so like. I have no interest in any of this. And like the Flashpoint comic wasn't great. And at least in my opinion, I don't know. A lot of people love it, but, but like is dep- awfully depressing. Like the, the moment, the moment in Flashpoint that, that uh, solidified, like, I don't want to read this. This is no fun is uh, Superman was not found by the Kent. He was found by the U S government and kept like <laughs> uh, in, in like this, pod his entire life so he doesn't speak english right. um he has no like communication english yeah yeah he has no no communication whatsoever yeah um and he's just like uh when eventually he escapes he's like emaciated and like oh. a skeleton basically yeah and then he like the sun powers him up and he just starts destroying everybody <sighs> with heat vision because he can't control it yeah. and because he's mad yeah. at what they did to him and i'm like this is so depressing oh, gosh man. he's he can't even, he's not even Superman. Like just this killed is, him. God, this is terrible. Yeah. And so like, like for me, like to see that on the big screen, I have no interest in watching like emaciated Henry Cavill, like kill people. Like I've, I've seen Henry Cavill be a not Superman enough. I don't need another version of him being a not Superman. Yeah. And so like, I don't need at them to the do it of, on purpose. <laughs> at the end of the day, like unless unless he's heat visioning all the people that have that all the execs at Warner Brothers, I don't <laughs> care. I'm watching David, it. David Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, like I have no interest in this. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. Look, at the end of the day, yeah, it'll be it'll be cool and nostalgic to see uh, Michael Keaton as Batman. But I just don't have any high hopes that this is going to solve DC's problems, and I don't have any high hopes that this is going to be like like some huge renaissance or anything because again okay cool we have michael keaton as batman but are we getting a batman in the joker sequel and are we getting a batman in robert pattinson and is ben affleck gonna play batman again because they've been hinting at that too and jeffrey dean morgan's gonna play batman like i don't know what are we gonna do digitally resurrect adam west like i have no idea what we're about to be witnessing because we don't need batman into the batverse like we just need yeah we we just need like we just need a good batman and and there's no reason that it can't be robert pattinson's batman that springboards everything and that he can't be the mentor to batgirl and nightwing and whatever else it, it doesn't make sense that we have to drag Michael Keaton back. The only way to me that that would be acceptable is if it's a small cameo in the flash used to set up the fact that they're going to do some standalone Batman beyond film. I'd be okay with that. That's all I can accept. But if he's like an integral part of the film and he's like, well, flash, you know what you should do. I'm right. going to be like, I don't know. Batman wasn't that great in those nineties movies. He killed people. He was, not super smart. I don't know. I don't know. Two things. Hit me. It should be written into the, the contracts of these films being made, like the same contracts that talk about if you don't do anything with the rights by yeah. this date, you relinquish them back to whoever. Yeah. Um, within the same contract, it should be, if this doesn't work out and this universe or this, this iteration is scrapped, everyone, the studio has to wait 10 years before they make another one. 
Yeah, yeah. It would be written into there like, if this goes cold, that's it. You got to wait, take a decade and regroup, think about what your vision is going to be, line up your 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 parallel projects with it and come up with yeah. an actual plan and spend 10 years developing another property or just making some original shit. And the second thing is they, I, I, I demand that Warner brothers hire me for consulting yeah. on how to show Ezra Miller, how to run. <laughs> I will do it for free. Okay. I will pay you. Yes. But for the love of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, this is what he would want. Uh, I, I, I need, I need this. I need some accuracy to, because the way he runs, I'm sorry. I don't believe a speedster would run the way that he runs in justice mm. league. It looks yeah. stupid. I don't even remember. I, I don't even remember. I, I can't even, I, I, I have a baby in my hand. I can't, I, I couldn't, can't I, mime couldn't it. I couldn't show you how he runs sure. without throwing my son through the wall because <laughs> that is, that is the, that is the strength with which he's flopping his arms out like a whack, like he's like, is it a car dealership inflatable? Now. <laughs> you, need to, you need to look at it right this second because, because it's so it's inefficient so I don't care. Yeah, yeah. So if the flash can run that fast running like that, imagine yeah, yeah. how fast he, you know, here's what I bet happens. I bet he's running regular super speed in flashpoint. And he's just like, he's running around. And then one day someone appears, hopefully me and says, Hey, you know, you really look like a dumbass running like this. Why don't you do this? Raise your knees up, you know, drop your arms a little bit to get more, you know, get more, uh, more length out of your stride. And yeah. he runs so fast with his new good form that he breaks the time space continuum and creates flashpoint it's all because i showed him proper running form i will right, do right. this for free my phone number is somewhere on one of the no it's not all my social media handles find the podcast find my name find my house and uh hire me and i'll do it I, it'll take one day just just i will come to you i'll, I'll do it over zoom uh <laughs> whatever you need i'll send in a a, a physical tape please yes please fix this I, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, dude, he's swinging them wide, very like, wide. Like and it's he's not like Ford. It's like whatever, whatever green screen treadmill they had him on in that horrible shot. Yeah, yeah. It it must have been on an incline or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it looks bad, and and it only happens like once where it's a full body shot of him running. But then the very end of the film, they have him race Superman, and it's a slow motion. That's how the movie ends: is Superman's like flying, and the Flash is running, and they they emphasize it with slow motion, and he's just yeah. going like, and he's throwing the arm <laughs> out to the side. It's it's like yeah. he's. What does it look like? It looks like he is. It's like. <laughs> It's like he's good throwing, lord. I'm looking at it now. This like, is it's this like is he's insane. Throwing a discus or something. Yes. It looks like he's throwing a discus. Something. He's literally like chicken winging it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like doing like this. He, he, it's, it's like it's like an awkward dance at a wedding is what it looks like. And and you're right. He's so far forward that he would lose balance. Yeah. Like Very quickly. you can't. No, yeah, you can't do that. How that, could that's he like, possibly get linked out of his stride when his torso is at a 45 degree angle? You can't yes. lift your leg up high enough. You're going right, to get tired. Right. Yeah, dude. Like that, that's so like, what that tells me is either Ezra Miller can't run and no one gives a shit or yeah. the Flash is such an asshole that he thinks that just because he has super speed, he doesn't have to run good. Correct. <laughs> I, I remember like, I, I could fix it, but fuck it. Who cares? I'm faster. I, I'm I remember there, the there was some interview I saw with uh, Grant Gustin where they were asking about 
uh, about his running technique. Yeah. And he, and, and they, he said something like his, uh, his experience with dance, like yeah. really helped there. Yeah. Uh, like, like as far as being very conscious of what movements you're making. Yeah. And, and he was talking about how like normally on the show, they film him from like, you know, waist up. So he's not actually on a treadmill. Right. He's just kind of like still, he's yeah. just like, you know, like up forward and just kind of like, you know, managing his body, yeah. his upper body in such a way that it gives the illusion right. that you're running. And then, and then talking about like what people do is like, you have the tendency to want to bring your, your, like the same arm and leg up at the same time, like right and right rather than right and left and right and left. And so he's like a ton of people that come on the show and try to, they're, they're speedsters or whatever. Right. Like they have, they have issues with it, like wanting to like do this. And, and, uh, cause when you run, that is not what happens. Right. But it's like, it's like a, a, yeah, it's just the way that it looks on screen. Right. It is, is like lopsided. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyway, like, I don't know, just being conscious of, of your body when you're in those moments is super important. And I would say even more so for Ezra Miller, because a number of these scenes are actually in slow motion Yeah, where like he's moving in slow motion. And so like, yeah, it's really awkward to watch because he's just throwing his arms around like crazy. Yeah, it is. It's ridiculous. I, I I can't believe they let that hit the final cut. I can't believe they didn't like try a body Jeez. double or just cut yeah. the shot. You don't need that wide shot. And at the very end of the film, even then, it's like, <sighs> you know, what's weird? Like I'm looking at the final shot now of him yeah. versus Superman. Yeah. And and not only is he swinging his arms wide. But he also has both wrists, wrists like tucked. Yeah, yeah like a, like a gorilla. So, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like this. Like, yeah. oh, let me see if I can if I can mimic this. It's so so yeah. he he's standing up. I <laughs> you guys see this, but no, this but he's literally like like this. Yeah, this arm. Well, actually, I'm I'm flipped. So yeah. like this, and then and then he's out like this. This is yeah. literally what his arms look like. Yeah, in this still, he's got his wrists turned all the way down, like he's about to put him on the ground, like some kind of ape like this yeah it's like and he's leaning and I, forward and his shoulders are bowed out and he's he's literally like this it's, i'm like how does that make sense nobody runs like this. it's so bizarre and and trust me like i think people who've listened been listening to the show long enough know this or anyone who knows me personally i don't complain about things like that yeah that yeah such an egregiously wrong way to run i can't help but point it out because even if you even if you've never run even if you've never been a, like a tracker cross country or anything you know what running looks like. Everyone knows what running yeah, yeah. looks like. Yeah. So you see that on screen, you can't help but just laugh at it. Yeah. You know what's ugly also, while we're, <laughs> we're talking about ugly, um, the, the, whatever weird filter they put on all of the all of these running scenes is disgusting. The, that blue... It's like, yeah, and it all looks like, like they just stuck like a prism in front of the camera lens and yeah. it's, there's like random like rainbows, like, you know, refracting... Uh, through this is supposed to be, I guess, the lightning that's moving slowly and and like flaring off the lens. This is so ugly. It looks like it looks like whatever filter you would put on like an old like footage you want to look like it's on an old television, like an old television with a bad 
like bad reception, like the bunny ears and whatnot. That's the filter. It looks awful. I have, I have to cease talking about the flash or I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, look, dude, uh, it could be cool. I just want a Batman beyond movie. Is that too much to ask? No, it's not. I just want a cool Batman beyond movie. I know me too. I, I definitely would love to see that. I'm sure it'll happen someday when they run out of ideas. Like imagine, like I would love to have Michael Keaton and some like new actor as Terry. Like not, not like Joseph Gordon Levitt, you know what I mean? Like yeah, some, 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 somebody I don't know. Yeah. Somebody that's, that's a cool young kid that, you know, cause Michael Keaton will, will sell, put people in seats. You don't need right. the kid to do it. All right. Um, that's, that is it. That's our show. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you everyone. And Thank goodbye. you. Goodbye. <laughs>